0: That's great news. Uh, Actually, it was Barry. Of course it was. Livewire's ability to absorb the electrical energy in the air surrounding her
1: gave me an idea, so I wrote an algorithm to monitor variations in meter usage around the city, and it all leads to that warehouse. I see bad guys love their abandoned warehouses on your Earth, too, huh? I'll authorize a drop team.
0: No, 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 she's too dangerous. Let's go. All
1: right, yeah, what's the plan?
0: Catch the bad girl, bring her back here so she can't hurt anyone, 85% chance of punching. Okay, that I get, but like, what's the... Plan. Maybe we can overload her somehow? Yeah, what about the, uh, the industrial capacitator? You were gonna trap her in last time. No, no, it went busto. Oh, well, Dynamic Duo will build you a new one. No, oh, if we wait, we lose her. If we lose her, God knows what kind of damage she could do or who she could hurt. I defeated her once before. I could do it again, with your help. I'm right behind you. I told you how much I like that guy? For the record, I got here first.
1: Yeah, for the record, I went around the block to check the perimeter, so technically I let you get here
0: <laughs> first. Welcome everyone to a special supplemental episode of The 602 Club, brought to you by one of the listeners who gave us this idea. Well, I'd like to thank Greg Mullenby on the Babel Conference for bringing this up to me. You know what you should do? You should do an episode on the Supergirl flash crossover. So here it is, Greg, coming live. To you from National City, uh, we're so excited to bring you this show. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad we're going to get to talk about it. Uh, before we get into everything... Just a quick reminder, the 602 Club is part of the Trek FM network, and you can find all of our shows at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We are a feature provider there. Uh, You can find so many different shows. We have over 20 different shows, special feeds covering everything around Star Trek and beyond here with the 602 Club. Uh, Would really appreciate it as while you're there give us a star baiting and review for the 602 Club. It really helps people find the show when they're there. You can also find us on Twitter at TrekFM. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. Of course, if you would like to leave us a voicemail, go to SpeakPipe.com slash TrekFM. Uh, of course, we are on the Babel Conference. Of course, we are on Facebook at the Babel Conference, which is our listeners-only discussion group. And, of course, you can find that. Just type into the search field on facebook or click discussion on the menu bar on any of our show pages where you can find us at trek.fm online so and if you'd like to send us an email just go to trek.fm contact choose a show choose a 602 club that'll come to me and any of the hosts that we're on that week and uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say so really excited uh goodness Norm, I'm really glad that you decided to to come into the 602 Club uh, today, and uh, Ruby is serving up some fine drinks as we are going to talk Flash Supergirl crossover.
1: I'm glad to be back. I don't think that I've talked about Supergirl since we did our episode about Supergirl season. Well, we're still in season one. That's the very beginning of season one in the pilot, so it'll be fun. I've been watching Supergirl. I've been trying to catch up as best as I can, but there's something special that we're talking about tonight that pretty much made me skip a couple episodes to go right for the, the grant gusto here, <laughs> <laughs> right? And we're wearing That's the awesome. t-shirts to prove it. <laughs>
0: That's right. We're both, we didn't know, uh, if, if the, either of us would wear the Supergirl t-shirt or the flash t-shirt, we both decided to go with flash and see was the guest on the show this week. And, you know, uh, talking about this, uh, this idea of crossing over, One of the main things with Supergirl when it started, and it was on CBS instead of CW, we were really wondering, okay, is she going to be in the same universe as Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow? And even if she wasn't, was she ever going to get to cross over? And, you know, they wanted to do this, but at the beginning of the season, it wasn't looking like it was going to happen but they kept at it and at it and at it. And finally, um, coming back after uh, the winter break, they brought the idea to, to the studio and they said, all right, let's do it, you know? And so I I, mean, I just I remember hearing about it and just being so excited because the idea of, you know, especially Flash and Supergirl crossing over, it, it just kind of blew my, my little geek mind.
1: Well, let's take it all the way back to when we saw... The potential of a crossover, and I think that was the Vanity Fair cover where it had Grant Gustin yep. and Melissa Benoist mm-hmm. and then Greg Berlanti on the cover. So once we saw that, pretty much the wheels started moving and we started getting our, our, um, our fantasy minds in motion and saying, like, is this possible? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew, but Greg Berlanti is involved in both shows. So...
0: Yes. Yes, he is.
1: So he literally has... He is the breach that pretty much crosses both universes, so... Having him there, he has the influence behind the scenes to be able to negotiate with the CW and the CBS networks and say, hey, look, these two properties are like peanut butter and chocolate. They're both great, but they taste great together. Let's see if we can do the Twix bar here and make something happen,
0: right? Well, and and you know, in the end, too, it's the hardest thing because you are dealing with, even though the CW and CBS are under the same umbrella— They are two different networks, and they are competing in some ways. And so bringing those two things together, I think they just saw the validity of this idea. And obviously, now that the episode is over, Supergirl saw its biggest ratings all season with this crossover. So it it seems like their idea, you know... It's very little work for a whole lot of gain, you know, and I think for the most part, even if it it wasn't absolutely perfect, this episode does kind of everything kind of want to have happen and and it works really well. And you just kind of have a big grin, kind of like Kara, when, you know, Barry brings her ice cream.
1: Right, So we're dealing with something that is very, very significantly deep and meaningful to the comic book community at large because the title of this episode is called The World's Finest. The World's Finest traditionally for us, for the comic book readers that are steeped in a lot of this lore, usually references Batman and Superman. That was The World's Finest. It was actually a comic book called The World's Finest. But I think that was really smart for CBS to um, kind of lift that and borrow that and, and use it. In a new way, because we're not dealing with Batman and Superman. We're dealing with The Flash and Supergirl. But when you think of the world's finest, you think of that the 1950s superheroes that are from a different age. Things are a little bit brighter and a little bit sunnier. The moral of the story is still there, and there are lessons to be learned. And I think that it was a really interesting approach because Supergirl in National City and the way that they approach her on CBS is far Lighter in its approach than what we get from Flash and definitely what we get from Arrow on the CW. So you're seeing something from completely two different approaches and seeing the Flash in the National City universe on this Earth, on Supergirl's Earth, is a really interesting perspective to see, do the production values cross over? Does the balance cross over? Does this is the way that, that Grant Gustin portrays the Flash Does that come off the same? Does that ring true? So this is pretty much almost like a proof of concept that these crossovers can work. I remember a long time ago um, when Buffy and Angel, uh, when they were split to different networks, when Angel was on the CW or then was the WB and then Buffy crossed over to the UPN network. Does that work? Do those still um, resonate with each other as shows? Does the emotional content carry over from one universe to another or one network to another? Do the fans follow that in that same way? And what you said, Matthew, with the validity of the ratings for this show seems to be that this model can
0: work across both networks. Well, and that's something that I think was really interesting, you know, kind of the the idea, this Barry and Kara dynamic that happens in the show, I thought was so interesting because it's Melissa and Grant working together. And it's, it's, it's either them that are going to make it or break it. And what I felt was watching those two together is that they meshed so well, they were having a lot of fun, and that the characters themselves really fit together very well. Uh, it, it it brought out, I felt like, the best of both of them, you know, um, that kind of uber, I mean, they're both completely adorable, and I, I think that was what really, really works here, but I also think that it was something that was really interesting. It showed me how far the character of Barry has come as opposed to where Kara is. I think Kara has a long way to go before she reaches that level that Barry has reached. And, you know, when you think about what Barry's been through on The Flash over a season and a uh, little more than a half now, the guy has been through so much. And you know Kara, and you know Kara is really just starting out on her journey. And so I, I thought that the dynamic that they brought of Barry being the more seasoned hero and uh, Kara being the more impetuous one, it's just it was really nice, and it worked so well. I I just felt like it was that that made this show gold. You know, other things may or may not have worked so well for me. But that is what made it so wonderfully watchable the entire time. Because those two characters are just, they're firing on all cylinders back and forth. The secret to any really good episode, and we're talking about any of these superhero
1: shows when you're talking about Green Arrow or The Flash or Legends of Tomorrow or Supergirl. You have to care about the core central characters. I mean, you really have to care. You have to, and not just the characters that they play on screen. You care about the people that are behind those characters. Grant Gustin and Melissa Benoist, respectively, as The Flash and Supergirl. You care about what they do. You care about who they are. You care about how good their performances are, and they draw you in. Not to say that the other actors and actresses don't do a great job, but if they didn't work well together, the entire model of this wouldn't work at all because these are the two characters that have to sell you on the fact that these two superheroes actually do get along and can work together. We go all the way back to, it would be green arrow season two when we were first introduced to Barry Allen in uh, the, the the very first special crossover when he came over just to CSI. And you saw that he was very green behind the ears, wet, wet behind the ears, however you want to say that. And When he became the Flash, he needed a mentor because when he first started out crime fighting in Flash season one, he was very much like Supergirl in her first season. She has a lot to learn. It's not just about having these powers and being able to do and not really thinking about the consequences afterwards. And that's what Flash learned from Ollie. That's what he learned from the Green Arrows. Like, you have to have a plan. You have to have a purpose, a motive, and a strategy and Barry's like, I'm super. Come on, I can do this. I can handle anything. And you see that echo so well in the fight scene or the uh, the strategy session before the fight scene in Supergirl. Because Supergirl's like, you know, 85% is going to be punching. And Flash is like, nah, n- n- that's not really a plan. And you hear almost kind of like the, the wheels of Ollie spinning in his mind. He's like, this isn't what Ollie taught me. And this isn't what we learned at Star Labs with the right. way that, you know, Cisco and Caitlin and at one point in time, Harrison Wells and Joe and Iris, how everyone approach a problem. So it's neat to see the springboard of growth from show to show to show, because that really does link them together in this universe. More than anything else is that you see and and feel the progression of these characters as they start learning from each other, as they grow, and it's neat that the mentorship comes from basically Oliver Queen all the way back again to that one episode. So it's a nice that way to see it, you know pay it forward.
0: In some ways, Oliver is responsible for actually helping train Supergirl vicariously. Mm-hmm. That's In that, great, uh,
1: long-form mathematical kind of way. Sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved that scene. Because, you know, Barry's done his thing. He's uh, solved this equation problem so they can track live wire, you know. And he's like, what's the plan? And she's like, uh, catch the bad girl, bring her back here, 85% chance of punching. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, but that, it, <laughs> he's like, that's no. not a plan. Right. You know, like, uh, and, and it's so funny because at that moment I realized how different Kara's setup is than uh, what we have, uh, especially right now. You know, she doesn't have Hank. She doesn't have her sister. And uh, Lucy Lane might be uh, filling in, but she's no Hank, you know? And uh, Kara relies on them for that kind of info. And what I loved about them having... On the show, uh, you know, Hank and her sister be gone is that Kara is having to learn some new skills. And this whole episode is about really down to the core. It's about Flash teaching Kara as Supergirl how to be a better hero. You know, I I love when they get to the abandoned warehouse and uh, Flash is like, well, actually, I cased the outside of this place before I got here that's why you got here first you know he's doing the things like you were saying that Oliver taught him how to do and he is being a good role model for Kara and it it's not about it's not about a guy teaching a girl how to do something that's not the dynamic we're getting here we're just getting a hero learning from another hero how to be a better hero and that happens in comics all the time and honestly something that um Again, I kind of miss about Supergirl not being one on the CW and two in the same universe because I feel like, especially the Flash Arrow and now Legends of Tomorrow, all of these heroes have really benefited from the partnerships they have and they get to be better heroes quicker because of that partnership. And I'm really hoping, and we'll talk later on, but I'm really hoping they'll give them more of this because I just, this was a great episode. Um, in that sense. How how did you feel a berry fit with the rest of the cast on uh this this show? Which great call out for Kat being like, You guys look like a <laughs> uh a well-dressed, racially diverse cast from a CW show.
1: <laughs> see, I love digs like that because that's the inside baseball that you get to see in some of these shows. And I remember when I when I first reviewed the pilot for Supergirl with you. And I said that one of the things that really kind of stood out to me was that you have this formulaic team that's happened since Green Arrow. You know you have the 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 analogs of Felicity uh with Cisco, and now you have it with Win. you know so that's interesting, and I always thought that was maybe a little bit uh of a of a crutch, but I can see how it works here because Barry and Wynn, they were like two peas in a pod. they were just it was just like win being the analog of Cisco, they used their minds. As their superpowers. Because, you know, Wynn isn't superhuman. Barry is superhuman. But I loved it in that scene in the, DC, in the DEO where he says, Hey, I'm CSI. Point me to mm-hmm. a crime lab because I have a really super awesome brain. And I thought that was really neat too. As, as a matter of fact, there's, there's one scenario that I'm playing out in my head with this episode where, where Barry didn't have his super speed. Because I don't think that as the Flash, it wasn't the Flash that gave... Kara, her advice, it was Barry that gave Kara her Mm -hmm. advice. Yeah. So when he crossed over into the multiverse and I, and I do want to touch on the multiverse in a little bit, it was, it would have been neat that maybe on this earth, he didn't have as strong of a connection to the speed force and needed Supergirl at the end to help propel him back into the breach. But it was Barry Allen CSI that gave her that ability to, you don't need superpowers to believe in yourself. You need to understand how to strategize and how to anticipate your opponent. Because Green Green Arrow, he's not superpowered. Right. You know, he doesn't have those abilities. He's not a metahuman or he's not magical. You know, he's just a well-trained, well-thought, well-strategized fighter. So it would have been interesting to, for that to have been maybe a dynamic in this episode where Barry was more like... I can't help you, Kara, with my powers. I I can't tap into my powers on this earth. But I do know how to use science and technology, and you have a really great lab here, so let me help you that way. And that could have logically fit into the way that the Flash wasn't utilized as well as he could have been towards the end of the episode.
0: I really liked this, the way that Barry's persona, like you were talking about the way he fit with Wynn. It was just so funny. You know, they're bouncing off each other back and forth about the multiverse and how it all works. And it felt like a Cisco scene, you know, that Barry would have where they're geeking out about the science. Uh, I, I love Wynn being like, Can I mentioned that I love this guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, when Barry first gets the DEO and he's like, you guys have a spaceship? And Carl's like, my spaceship. He's like, have I mentioned how much I love this Earth? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this those kind of things were just very fun. And you know, there is a place and a time for this super light-hearted take on things. You know, and people have made mention about the fact that, oh, this is the way that superheroes should meet up, blah, 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 blah. You know, Batman v. Superman, Uh, boo. You know, too dark, too great. You know, but To compare the two isn't even fair because it really is apples and oranges because they're two completely different mediums. They're two completely different universes that we're working with. And uh, they're they're two completely different takes. Uh, And so, you know, I, I think there's a place and a time for both. And I love this crossover. I love the crossover we get in Batman v Superman it neither one of them needs to be more like the other. They need to be what they need to be for the story they need to tell. And I think what was great here is that that's what happened in this story. They're what they need to be to tell the story for these two characters meeting up and it works perfectly. And they're not trying to be anything else. They're just being what they are. And I think that was great. And that's for me, uh, you know, why Barry works so well in this universe and, You know, uh, it's interesting because this year on Flash and season two, there's been a lot more on the show where there's been some darkness that's crept in, even to the Barry character. Uh, And not that he is dark, but just that there is more darkness because of what they're dealing with. And Barry has learned how to be... You know, I mean, a few episodes ago, he was lying to Harrison Wells when he went back in time to get what he wanted. Uh, He's learned how to do some things from characters like Oliver where, you know, they work out in the end, but, you know, it's more treading the line, you know. And so it makes it more interesting. The characters are more fully rounded and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I like that again you can have both and you have a reason for both and this one just i you know have to say the dynamic that we got with Barry crossing over with Supergirl was very funny and um i realized too you know cat has a certain disregard for superhero uh secret identities just like a certain lex luthor and everybody else in the Snyderverse where yeah she really knows who everybody
1: is, <laughs> right okay I mean that's that's a funny thing and and it's um it plays to the sensitivity of does she really know who Kara is? Is she just being aloof because it serves her purpose in that way? Did she play and like announce a card too early, saying that, yeah, I mean, really, come on, a guy comes out of nowhere, he makes up that ridiculous name that he really loves. And you're all like you said, you're all standing there like a, a useless, racially diverse CW cast. You know, it's that's that was funny. That's very cat. And it's it's funny that um, it's kind of like we I think the audience was also feeling the same way. But, um, you know, let's go even t- further in the cast. Let's go to James Olson because I really thought that it was interesting to see the tables turned on the hot jock character with the nerd I mean, let's put it, I'm going to, you know, that may not be the most sensitive way to put it, but I'm just going to make a point of it that Barry Allen, crime-fighting nerd from a different earth, comes in and literally kind of sweeps Kara off her feet with what he can literally do. Literally
0: and figuratively, yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> and it's neat to see that uh, usually it's kind of like the buff superhero type usually like gets, uh, ends up winning the girl, and he does in a way, but it, he seems put off by the brainiacs. And it's nice to see that the Brainiacs are having their day in this episode. You have Barry and Wynn just doing their thing, and James kind of like fifth-wheeling it on the side, feeling a little self-conscious that he can't do more. This is is the universe of using every angle to defeat your opponent, not just Brawn, and not just running headfirst into a situation. This is a completely different way, I think, that people are used
0: to seeing a handsome, hunky character like James being portrayed. You know what's so interesting? Uh, So much has been made, again, in Batman v Superman about what happens to Jimmy Olsen. And what's so interesting is how this take is completely different than everything we know in the comics. This is a Jimmy Olsen we've never seen before. Uh, He is suave, confident. He is the hunk. He is the, the person, like you said, he probably was the jock in high school, the popular one. Every other iteration of Jimmy Olsen in the comics is geeky, gangly, and very awkward and over-exuberant. You know, he's basically more like the Win character. Uh, you know, but That's with a camera. Good point. Very good point. You know, so I, I this is an absolutely revolutionary Jimmy Olsen, as was Batman v. Superman's Jimmy Olsen. Uh, so, you know, it's it's really not that different to have the character completely reimagined because Supergirl really did it first. They completely reimagined this character into a love interest for Supergirl in a way that we've just not seen before. So, because I don't remember any iteration, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, right on the Babel Conference, email us, but I don't think there's any iteration of Superman in, in the comics where Lois Lane dates Jimmy Olsen. Not
1: that I know of.
0: You know, that's kind of what this is like, Lois Lane going for Jimmy Olsen instead of Superman. Right. You know, like, so it's... Yeah, it it it's great. I love it. I love it that again you can reinterpret a character, have it come off completely differently and still work, you know? Um and that's kind of what, you know, in the end comics and the characters are very malleable and what you do with them and so I I liked that dynamic that like you said he's in the corner kind of feeling sorry for himself. And I love that Wins like, oh, I've seen that look. <laughs> Jealousy has a name and it is And it is Olsen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thy name is Olsen. Sure. It was great. Yeah, so. But that
1: also brings up a really interesting point in what's happening with all of these properties right now. And I like to refer this as the blackboard moment because in Back to the Future 2, where all time is going askew, there's a moment where Marty and the doc they use a blackboard to show what happens with the time stream, and I thought that was a really smart point of storytelling here with Barry Allen and Wynn backing him up on the theory of the multiverse. The multiverse is pretty much DC's bread and butter in storytelling, whereas Marvel has like the mutants and that way of t- telling a story and, and the outsiderness of that. DC really has all been about the multiverse, the Earth-1, the Earth-2, the Earth-X. And I think even like on a cover of Crisis on Infinite Earths back in 1985, there was a picture of like all of the Earths kind of like in a Venn diagram, like just kind of converging on each other. So they said in this episode, and I wanted to make a point here, that I think it's the first time we've really tackled what the multiverse is head on, where one hero can exist in one universe and another hero can exist in another universe. And they don't necessarily know that either exists you know, respectively on their planets. The Flash actually went down the list. Green Arrow? No. Black Canary? No. Firestorm? No. Zoom? No. None of these people exist on her Earth, which means that none of that dynamic, none of that matter in terms of positive matter on that Earth, people don't exist on that Earth, which means that Earth has developed in a completely different tangential way from all the other Earths. Oh, I said tangential in one word, and I got
0: it. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> I do that with certain words, and mm. I'm like, "Oh man, I feel so much smarter." <laughs> no, that's that's a great point. That you know the the way that this multiverse and and that brings up a big question of what Earth is. Kara on if Superman and Supergirl exist on this Earth, but doesn't seem like there's a Flash. It doesn't seem like there's a Green Lantern or a Wonder Woman or a Batman. I mean, there went you know, there's no mention. None of the heroes from what we know from the other shows, so it's very interesting question. And uh they were very coy about it, even in the episode of not kind of naming this earth whatsoever. I mean, we have Earth One and Earth Two in Flash, Arrow and and that whole side this is this is not named, so we don't really know if this is maybe like Earth Prime or you know what earth this is uh so it's it is very interesting um so i'm I'm gonna be interested to see if they will ever kind of let us know who that is and and what earth it is um what did you think okay so they've been building in the show this this silver banshee character. At, with Siobhan and of course we know Livewire because she's one of the first villains that that Supergirl took down. What did you end up thinking about the way that it was these two villains coming together to face, you know, the Flash and Supergirl? You know, this is where in the episode I had a little bit of trouble because I don't know
1: these villains so well. I mean, I know them from the TV show. I know Silver Banshee from a couple of things that I've seen. I remember her in Smallville. I remember her being featured on like Justice League Unlimited. But and the actress's name, her last name's Ricci. Is she related to Christina Ricci? Because they look like they're part of the same family.
0: Uh I think she is. Yeah. But it um it was an
1: interesting concept. I, I liked I liked the performances a lot. And I think that they were a neat team up. But And I'm going to preface this by saying that I love Supergirl. I love this show and I love this particular episode of what they were trying to do. But for some reason, the team up of the villains here was not as fluid as I'd like it to be. Meaning that it felt like they had to come together just because there was a Flash and Supergirl, you know, super team that was there. I I almost wish that it was like one villain that was so strong that both of them needed to be there to take Mm -hmm. down that one villain, you know, or if Barry Allen's power wasn't there, that he was just kind of like coaching Supergirl to be able to take Mm -hmm. down these two villains. So there was something in the mix up here that I think on paper was really good. And I really liked Siobhan Smythe when she was just civilian Siobhan Smythe. I think Mm -hmm. she was gorgeous I think that before she got into the makeup, I was really believing this character. And in almost every single way, I almost she wish she didn't go for the makeup because that makeup felt uh, incredibly forced to me just to throw her into the Silver Banshee look. Whereas I think on the CW, they would have found a way around that a little bit and made it make more logical sense in the progression of the character and maybe not get her to that stage. Maybe when live wire hit her with the, the lightning at the end accidentally it started to transform her physically that way so in terms of the power creep Siobhan went from 0 to 60 so fast that you didn't get a chance to understand her motivation aside from revenge I wanted to see that really rich history with the Irish curse so and we all know live wire from an episode before where the radio DJ got turned into living lightning that was pretty cool but that was her episode. You were able to see her transform. There was a lot to unpack there.
0: Yeah. No, I I actually am fully with you. Uh, I I feel like the transformation for S- Silver Banshee fra- to that villain from Siobhan. What I what I would have loved to have seen is not that you know Livewire gives her a makeover and somehow that's what comes out so it kind of looks like the comic book what what I would have rather seen was that as she's being taken over by this spirit she slowly begins to morph into that more that's what kind of happens in the comics she kind of turns into this character that looks like you know a walking skeleton basically and i think that would have been a lot stronger than just we gave her a makeup job. Uh, it, it just doesn't work in the episode. It would have been much cooler, since it is this kind of supernatural, spiritual thing that's happening to her with this spirit, if it physically alters her when she's fully controlled. So it's it's almost like a morphing process is happening. That makes so much more sense than having this, we went shopping at, you know, Gap for Villains, and... <laughs> And Title this of the show. is what we got, you know, so <laughs> it, it just, I, that part, I think it just didn't ring true to me. And like you said, I feel like anytime that we've gotten one of these villains or something, they either come in with their alter ego, uh, fully formed, uh, you know, uh, I think of, um, oh gosh, was the B girl that's been on a couple of times now on arrow, um, where she controls the microscopic bees, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, she kind of wears a honeycombs like look. I mean, it's real clothes, but it has like a honeycomb pattern and everything. And she's kind of crazy, you know, so that kind of thing other than this might've worked. Um, Either go full supernatural with it. So she just morphs into it or don't do the makeup at all. Or like you said, have that, you know she got struck by lightning so at the end she really morphs into that character again this this part didn't really i think work for me as much as it should have and it doesn't kill the episode obviously because you know everything else that's happening is fantastic but i mean the the reason for them needing to cross over and have help from each other was kind of lame I mean, these two villains just didn't add up to needing Flash and Supergirl together. I mean, two of the most powerful heroes in the DC universe, one of them could have easily taken these characters out if they had been smart. I mean, and what was Barry thinking? I mean, feeding energy (laughs) to Livewire? I was like, Barry, you're way smarter than that. Come on.
1: You know, it's actually an interesting thing with storytelling, and we're obviously, you know, kind of like looking at this with hindsight, but it's always been probably one of storytelling's greatest strengths in comics that your heroes are only as good as your villains. You yeah. know, that, that's that's a common, uh, that's a common trope in in comics. And I really thought that choose one or the other, choose Livewire or choose Silver Banshee. And for me in this episode, Silver Banshee was far more the interesting character as they were building her up because mm-hmm. she does. I mean, she's she was this assistant to Kat. She really didn't do anything wrong aside from being and and, and pardon my language, just a little bitchy. You know, I mean that she she and she started to 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 uh, metamorphosize like right in front of us. You know, she the episode before, you know, she came into her power. She the curse started to ebb out of her, and she didn't really know how to deal with it. So I thought that was neat. She was struggling with. I'm a good person, kind of, but now you know my aunt tells me that I have this curse that's kind of permeating through my system and starting to take over my body. I'm not a bad person, but I'm trapped inside this this banshee that's actually coming out, this curse that has followed our family. I thought that would have been really neat to have that exposed over the course of the fight, and there were two things that really took me out of that scene, or both scenes, both fight scenes one supergirl's eardrums bleeding because. It's just like, okay, what are we trying to say here? You are actually a being that has inflicted this type of harm to a Kryptonian, something I don't think we've seen before yet in Supergirl. And then two in the last fight scene where she just literally haymakers her, her being Supergirl off her feet. You have knocked a Kryptonian off her feet. Your power level has just literally gone through the roof, off the scales, you've done something in the entirety of this, of this show that has not been done before except from Kryptonian to Kryptonian. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in, in the midst of a 45-minute episode or 48-minute episode. So when you do something like that, you are really, really leaning on the audience hard to accept the fact that, one, she's super magical in some way, or two, she's otherworldly, and the DEO pretty much checklisted her off of being either a mutant or an alien or a metahuman. So... Where does that come from? It's so interesting to see, but you're not giving it enough airtime and space to be able to mature. So, and it could have been something they really could have strung out until the end where Silver Banshee could have been far more effective as a, a villainous role uh, than basically being part of this evil dynamic duo against Flash and Supergirl.
0: Well, I mean, We've gone to, you know, the John Constantine kind of level where we're in a spiritual side of, of powers, you know, like a magical side of powers, which is completely different than anything we've seen on Supergirl at this point. We've seen it now on Arrow and Flash uh, because of Damian Dark, and Arrow has even had John Constantine cross over uh, with Matt Ryan. Fantastic episode. Uh, yeah. But anyway, there's a whole other story. Uh, <laughs> but... So this is something completely new, and I think you're right. They just don't give it the time that it needs to really develop. Um, I feel like maybe if we'd had some more of this story development in some of the episodes prior, it would have helped, too, since we're in a serialized show. Mm So, you know, it's, again, it's, it's not terrible, but what it does is that, one, this episode is about redeeming Supergirl in the eyes of the people of National City. Which is what happens because it ends up really being the people that save Supergirl, not the other way around. Uh, you know, the firefighters knocking out live wire and the people coming around to to keep the um, the villains from uh destroying Supergirl when she's down. And so you know, that was that was nice and it was great to see and I'm glad that happened. But again, it's like we have Flash and Supergirl here. I kind of, I mean, coming into this episode, I want to see their dynamic. It's it's good for the storyline for Supergirl and her character, but it's I don't feel like this completely serves the dynamic of the two heroes getting to work together as much as it could have, because I would have liked to have seen them need to, like, you know, like, combine their powers, basically, to take these people out, instead of it being like, well, Flash is even there for most of the fight and supergirl's knocked down and so it's it, why is flash there again you know i mean flash is there again this episode for flash with with Kara is all about her becoming a better hero through her mind and understanding what it means to truly be a hero from somebody who's been a hero a little bit longer and to give her that advice that's really where the storyline is, and that's what makes the episode so great. Uh, this part of the episode is kind of where you're like, it kind of falls apart at this point.
1: See, and that's where I think it would have been a really interesting idea if Barry was somehow incapacitated from his speed. If he was, like, separated from his speed and it was just Barry Allen maybe on a comm system with win, or maybe on the sideline, like, protecting Cat. And letting supergirl really shine because there are a couple mm-hmm. of really nice things that I liked in this scene. I really liked the the homage to Superman two where the citizens of Metropolis went to protect yeah. Superman after he was incapacitated uh, and taken out of the fight uh, it kind of um, it's a nice uh balance to the Superman three homage that that did with when she was affected by the red kryptonite and the the peanuts versus the uh, the bottles of alcohol scene you know so they're 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 pulling on the spiritual heartstrings of of the Superman movies that came before. But when you have somebody as powerful as the Flash and you know what he's capable of and you've seen him on all of his episodes taking down villains that are far more powerful than these two combined and then some sidelined so badly, you're, you're kind of taken out of this whole struggle and this, I'm I'm taking a huge leap here and thinking that everyone's watching both of these shows simultaneously because that may not be the case. This very well may be the first time anyone sees Barry Allen as the Flash, but I think for the most part, if I had to to pull this, I think it would probably be more on the lines of like maybe 80-20, maybe 85-15, you know, in terms of people that have seen the Flash. Yeah, yeah. That, have, that are watching Supergirl. So, but... The Flash is so powerful and he's so fast and he literally could have taken both of them out if he wanted to. So where was his purpose in the fight? He disappeared for such a long time and they focused on Supergirl so there was a little bit of disjointedness there. I understand. Like, I agree, Matthew. I understand what they were trying to do with this episode and... It wasn't lost on me that that fireman who picked up Supergirl off the ground, extended his hand in the exact same angle and the exact same lighting that Superman was in at the very beginning of the credits.
0: Yes, yes, he did. Right? So
1: I like that. It's like, okay, you know, normal here, normal people like, like firemen, policemen, people that serve the public can be superheroes too. As a matter of fact, they are superheroes. No, they are people that serve the general public and they right. do it because that's who they are. And I love it that they actually make that it's almost like this great iconic moment, you know, where yes, supergirls on the ground. I am a normal person and I respect mm-hmm. you, and I'm a hero too, because I also serve the public and save people. Um, that's a nice bit. And that that's a really that's that's super man, super girl, super people to the core. And I like that. But there is a little bit of clunkiness that's going on with
0: why was Barry there again?
1: <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, um, you know, and I, I think we've we've kind of talked through the the impact of the crossover because it really does the biggest impact is on Kara and teaching her to be a better hero from somebody who's been in the hero trenches, you know, and 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 kind of has made some mistakes. You know, I, I really liked that Flash is somebody who had lost the public trust for a little while and had to earn it back, you know. So it again it made sense to have him be the hero that crosses over. And of course, you know, he's been trying to gain his speed, get faster. And so having him accidentally travel to this universe, it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, it was an accident. <laughs> I love when he's like, you're on fire! And he goes to, like, get the fire out. And he's like, wait, you one, he's not going to touch there. But then the other part is, uh, you don't really seem that fr- frustrated or scared or that you're on fire. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was great, and then they haven't heard of each other. So, I mean, it's just, on a whole, this episode is so cute and so well done and so much fun that I totally forgive what we were talking about, that clunkiness. Yeah. And I just, I feel like for the first time, the the writing just let me down in that area, and I was disappointed, and, you know, that's all. I mean, we're just saying that there were some things that they probably should have gone back to the drawing board and written a little bit better to make a little bit more sense or just have it work a little bit better with these two heroes. But other than that, you know, I think um, for you, where do you think the future is? Do you want to see Supergirl now crossover with Flash? Do you want to see more crossovers? Uh, Where are you with this now after this first one? I'm absolutely on board with crossovers, and I think that if I had
1: any major criticism to kind of levy against this episode is that we didn't get any kind of reciprocity with Flash, because he, when he traveled through time, he was wearing some type of device on his chest. We didn't see that in any episode before or since, so what is that? What's he using? What's he using it for? When we got back to the Flash universe, he made no mention of him traveling to a multiverse, to Cisco or to Caitlin or to Harris, Harry 2. That's a big deal, right? He's like, hey guys, I met a girl who can fly and has we've never, I've never even met or heard of a race called the Kryptonians before. So there are these dangling threads that really have to be answered. And I really hope that in some way that these cross over again and this time Supergirl is in the CW universe because there are just more questions uh, that are raised at the end of this episode than there are answers. And I think it's only fair that we see her on the other side, on the CW production side, because I'd love to see what she looks like in that universe because we're talking about cooks. We're talking about different flavors different ways of preparing your dish, different ways of how the audience receives that information. And the CW is a certain way. There's a very lighthearted fluffiness about it, and that's all good. And then the CW is a certain way, and there's more of kind of a grittiness and more of a, a bite to it, and that's all good. We saw what Grant Gustin looks like in that universe. Let's see what Benoist Benoist looks like in that universe. You know, I think it's only fair. So I loved the fact that we had the opportunity to see this. I think when I mentioned um, in when we talked about Batman versus or Batman v Superman, I think the coolest thing ever to see is just the aspect of your heroes being together on screen. Let's put that out there. When I saw Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman on screen together, everything else melted away. I can nitpick things to the cows come home. Everyone can. Okay, that's just what we do as the audience and sometimes as jaded viewers. But there's that scene where the both of them are running together and you're like, that's Supergirl on the flash on screen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing that in my lifetime for the first time. Let's not make light of that. Let's take a look at how special that really is and let's support that. Let's see that again because there's a lot more storytelling to be told and there's no one better at it than Melissa and Grant in these two roles. No one they are so good, and they bring such joy yeah. to their viewers. Yeah,
0: no, I I completely agree, and 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 I think what makes this work is is the fact that you do have these two characters that are just so fantastic and really are just wonderful. Um, I I really love um these two. Actors together, I think they're hilarious and they're fun together, and I love it. And I'm very glad that uh, they did this. And I'm with you. I totally want to see more crossovers. Um, And like you as well, I want to see the crossovers uh, have more reciprocity where uh, we really are seeing the impact in both universes. And, you know, uh, right now we we don't have... um, Supergirl being renewed just yet on c b s so does does that open the door for i, I know the c w is kind of kicking itself for not just saying yes we'll do supergirl uh are there talks maybe this is my own personal belief, but I kind of think that c w could pick up supergirl and uh, I could see that happening especially if uh CBS doesn't uh, for a second season. Uh, You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but what I want to see is her being more involved. And if the numbers are any indication, networks live and die by ratings, so do shows. They got to do it. They got to do this more because it's a big deal. Um, you know, we love it when it happens with Flash and Arrow and all those shows. And they're getting so good at it that it's really starting to feel like a comic book. Supergirl needs to be a part of that. She needs to benefit from that. And she definitely benefited from having Flash cross over with her. And I think she would just benefit from, and the show would benefit from being more a part of those universes somehow because uh, it, it makes the characters more dynamic. It makes them deeper to be involved with one another, I think. And that's the thing I think I noticed the most with this episode, how lonely Supergirl is as a show and all the characters on it. Whereas anytime I'm watching Flash or Arrow or... Legends of Tomorrow, all of those characters, they have all these interrelationships with each other, and there's just something that's so rich and deep. And again, it feels like comic book on TV. And I I think Supergirl, again, I think she needs that. I, I think the show needs that, that feeling of... Uh, family almost so um yeah totally on on board with more superhero crossovers with supergirl flash arrow legend of tomorrow uh, god can you imagine her on a legend of tomorrow episode with all the other characters uh, could you imagine a huge massive crossover with all of the characters they have i just i think it it needs to be done it just needs to be done because um yeah, it's it's so much fun to see our favorite characters that we've been seeing on the page for so many years together finally be together on screen. I think that's what made Batman v. Superman so amazing for me. Watching my three favorite characters come together of all time, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all my favorite. Uh, Flash, Supergirl, I love both of those characters, and I'm sold. You know, uh, it's not perfect, but it sure did work pretty well enough to make me excited that they were there. So
1: I think you make a really good point there, Matthew. And I think that one of the reasons why that Supergirl may not be performing as well as it does is because when you're on the CW and you're watching an arrow episode and they say, or like say Felicity, like, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I emailed that to Cisco like a week ago. You know that it's it's inside the loop of all the characters that have this shared experience yeah, exactly. within that network, you know. Or they'll say like, "Where's you know?" It's like um, somebody's dying. We need them to you know to to jumpstart their heart. You know, where's where's um where's the atom? It's like, oh, well, he's he's off. You know, saving you know the mm-hmm. the world with a uh, you know with uh, the the Legends of Tomorrow. So. They're, they're feeding off of each other, and it's a great dynamic that's going on there. They have this almost this infinite loop of possibilities because all these characters are crossing over. When Supergirl is referencing something, it's a standalone reference. She's not referencing anything that's outside of, of her own show. But when you finally saw The Flash in there, now you're like, okay. It's very well possible that Cisco's mind would be blown if he actually met Kara Zor-El. You know, I mean, he could you imagine Cisco fawning over Melissa Benoist? It would be the greatest thing ever on on TV.
0: Um, (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it would never end. Right. So you have
1: that um, you have that luxury on the CW where all of these characters are just this one collective family. And that really works in their favor, because if you're not seeing something on Arrow, you're seeing it on Flash. If you're not seeing it on Flash, you're seeing it on Legends of Tomorrow and then wash, rinse, and repeat that cycle because all those characters are sharing the same collective experience and Supergirl's not there and she needs to be there. She deserves to be there. The way that Melissa portrays Supergirl deserves to be part of that family and they're not in the loop and I really think that that's hurting the show in some way. They're not connected to that energy and Just think of how good the show is on its own and imagine all of that collective energy, positivity, and amazingness added to that collective voice that's on the CW. They would own the airwaves if that happened.
0: Yeah. No, I I agree with you. And uh I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, if the if CBS does pick up uh Supergirl again and how they handle that. I I do think with the success that they had that they would definitely do more crossovers, how that would work, who knows. Um I think that they would be open to having their character at this point go over to the CW. Uh, Now it's tough because, you know, Supergirl films in LA and uh, all the CW shows film in Vancouver. So, you know, you have to fly your star up there for a week, uh, find a way to make that work. And so that's, it's not the, it's not as easy as it is for all those CW shows where they're all filming in the same place. And so it's much easier, but uh, I think it's worth it. And I think this episode proves it's worth it to have these characters crossover. And, um, you know, I, I love the show server girl and I just want it to continue to get stronger and stronger. And I think this is one way to help it. Um, not to have her on an Island all by herself, but have her be a part of something bigger. Uh, than herself. And isn't that part of what it means to be a, a hero is is to figure out when you can't do it on your own and uh, to be stronger together. So yeah, I mean, anyway, so I, Norma, I'm really glad we got a, a chance to sit down and, and just uh, have some good drinks, talk about some of our favorite things, which are superheroes and Flash and Supergirl Crossing over. We get to do this because of our Patreon uh, supporters uh, and, of course, our associate producers through Patreon. We've got Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson here on the 602 Club. You know, m- my heart just loves these guys for for their willingness to support the network and the show. Uh, the fact that they chose the 602 Club means the world to me. Uh, you had done that before as well when before you were executive producer of the network. You believed in the show, and to me that that's just it's it's been fantastic to be a part of everybody's life. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you're listening to this, I just want to say I appreciate it. And uh, one of the ways that you can say that you appreciate the network is to be a supporter of the network through Patreon. We are a listener supported network and what that means is that you can help make sure that all of this content keeps coming to you each and every week so go to patreon.com slash trek fm and you can see how you can make that happen we have some current goals we're trying to reach we have some different milestone contribution levels we're trying to reach and we also have some great perks for you so check it all out at patreon.com slash trek fm because we need your help today Norm, uh, I know you have so much going on. You've got great podcasts uh, here in the network that you're doing. And uh, so let everybody know where they can find you online and, of course, about what you're doing here on the network, show-wise.
1: Before I close out, there's one thing that I'd like to say that I think that Supergirl actually did better than, say, Green Arrow or The Flash, especially Green Arrow. The Banshee effect of her sonic scream is way better than anything that they've done with Laura Lance on Arrow. I think yeah, it's and, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that because I really appreciate that Supergirl did one up those shows in one respect.
0: Well, they do have that CBS money. Yeah, so I mean, that's where it helps. It
1: was so good. I loved it. I loved it. So, um, yes, you can find me here in various ways on the network. You can find me as one of the hosts for Standard Orbit, which is the Trek FM dedicated podcast to the original series. And I do that with Chief Ken Tripp who is also an associate producer for here on the 602 club and Jeff Harlan, who is one of the co-hosts also for warp five, lot of support here within the network for all of our shows. And you can find me here on the network also as one of the executive producers. And I can be found on Twitter at starfighter1701. And I just wanted to plug a little bit uh, one of my personal pages I'm a huge fan of the Highlander franchise and on Facebook I have a page called Blood of Kings and if you type that into your search field it has everything to do with Highlander, the franchise, the movies, the TV show, the anime, the music, the swords, all the stuff that you love about Highlander because I'm a huge fan and is one of the um, my biggest fandom so I love promoting it and we're on the 30th anniversary of Highlander from the movie back in 1986 so I love being part of this show, Matthew. I always have. I think the 602 Club is a great way for people to be able to find so many different ways to be able to connect with their fandom whether it's all the comic book heroes that we talk about or Harry Potter or everything that we probably can talk about except for Star Trek because we don't talk about work here. In the that's right <laughs> <laughs> we so, kick back and
0: talk about all the other fandoms here <laughs> I appreciate every
1: opportunity to be on this show and I'm glad to be a part of this and uh, I'm a huge supporter of what you do here and for all the fans that are listening keep supporting the show because this is the show that's worth supporting and write in write into iTunes, write in your review support us with star ratings and let us know how we're doing on the Babel Conference because without you
0: nobody's listening to the show that's right. Listeners are everything in podcasts. So uh, we really we really do appreciate it. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at MattRushing02. I'm also doing a few things here on the network. You can find me on The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Deep Space Nine. And then, of course, I'm on Literary Treks with Dan Gunther where we talk about the books and the comics of Star Trek get an opportunity to interview a lot of the authors about their new works which is so much fun uh, you can find me also on a site I think a lot of people here would find cool especially a 602 club fan go to letterbox.com and join and find me as a friend M rushing 02 it's a great way to keep track of the movies that you watch, uh, things you'd like to see, what your friends are watching. It's kind of like Facebook for movie fans, uh, but it's it's specific to that. Uh, Mike Schindler here on the network's on there, John Mills, so many other people here on the network are actually on Letterboxd, and it's a great way, especially since we talk about so much of this stuff here on the 602 Club, to keep track of everything that you you know that people here in the 602 club are watching. So check that out. Uh, find me there and I would love to be your friend and see the things that you're watching and what you think. Uh, and of course, you can find me on my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com and I do a, a Star Wars podcast with John Mills called Aggressive Negotiations over on the nerdparty.com. You can find us at the nerdparty.com or of course on iTunes and it's a blast. So if you like Star Wars, you're definitely going to want to check that out. And of course, make sure you hit up the Star Wars special feed here, the Star Wars 602 Club feed. We have all the Star Wars shows in one place there on iTunes. You so, you can subscribe to that as well as give it a star rating review. Uh, and so anytime that we drop just a new Star Wars episode specifically, you'll get that. So it's a great way to keep up with what we're doing here with Star Wars on the 602 Club as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you are here.